That's okay. All right. Chapter 7. I'd like to read a few verses and then make some comments this, this morning. Then Elisha said, Listen to the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time a measure of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. And the royal officer on whose hand the king was leaning answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? Then he said, Behold, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why do we sit here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, then famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come and let us go over to the camp of the Arameans. If they spare us, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall but die. And they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Arameans. When they came to the outskirts of the camp of the Arameans, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and a sound of horses, even the sound of a great army. So that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Therefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tent, their tents and their horses and their donkeys, even the camp just as it was, and fled for their lives. When these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they entered one tent and ate and drank and carried from there silver and gold and clothes and went and hid them. And they returned and entered another tent and carried from there also and went and hid them. Then they said to one another, We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, but we are keeping silent. If we wait until morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now therefore come, let us go and tell the king's household. Now, as you know, this story is a historical incident where Ahab and Israel was surrounded by the Arameans, besieged now for a long time to the extent that the inhabitants of the city were consuming one another. Mothers had cried to the king concerning the fact that they had killed and eaten their own children, and the king had threatened to kill Elisha. And the story that I want to focus on this morning is on the four lepers. Lepers who were doomed to death either way. They were outside the city. If they said, we go into the city, we'll die of starvation. If we go to the Arameans and beg food from them, they'll kill us. Maybe. Maybe they'll let us live. If we go into the city, for sure we'll die. If we go to the Arameans, there might be a 5% chance that we might live. And being gamblers as they were, they took the 5% chance and went out to meet the Arameans. In the meantime, God had created a, 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 a situation in the Aramean camp where he frightened the army away, leaving behind all the, all the goodies, all the food and clothing, silver and everything, all the booty was left behind. Now these four lepers came and found this great amount of wealth. They ate as they had never eaten before. They drank. They carried away silver and gold and all kinds of clothing, Levi's and... and uh, uh, OP t-shirts and everything else that was out there. They took it home and hid it. And then as they, in the process, in the process of, uh, 
of all their, their, their excitement, they realized that back home they had left a whole city of starving people. And then in verse 9, we have these uh, very interesting words. Verse 9 where it says, they said to each other, you know, we're not doing right. This is not the right. We're not doing the right thing here. This is a day of good news. Good news. And uh, we need to go out and do something about it. We're, we're keeping silent. We should go and announce this great happening, this great find to the rest of the city and let them come out and participate and share in the great blessings God has given to us. You know, we're just like these lepers. We think about it. Uh, we were sinners destined to hell. We were lost. And leprosy, as you know in the scripture, stands for sin. We were like these lepers destined to perish. And somewhere, someplace, sometime, somebody came and preached to us the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel means good news. Now, for some of you, it may have been your Christian parents, because you were raised in a Christian home. And your parents, when you were knee-high, when you were a little tot, they, they, they preached the gospel to you, and you got, you got saved. You, you accepted Christ as your personal Savior, and your life has been lived in Christ. Others of, of us were not saved in Christian homes, and so we found Christ at a later, later time. But it's all the same. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you and I are participants in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are those that have found the good news. And uh, we can sing, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus, his child, and forever I am. When you stop and think about that song, it has a whole lot to say. Because you and I are redeemed children. We are those that are basking in the great mercies of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're saved. And I trust you'll never forget that fact. That you as a child of God, at one time you were lost. Maybe you were never... Uh, uh, out and out, uh, what we call out and out uh, sinner. But you were in and in sinner. And uh, you needed to be saved like anybody else. And Christ saved you. And you're here today because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't ever forget that. We're also of those kind like the lepers that were, are satisfied people. You know, they ate and drank and they were satisfied. They had never eaten that much. And they just gorged themselves in the goodies that there, were, there was in that camp. And I, I, I can't uh, but uh, feel and re rejoice with you this morning because we are so blessed in Jesus Christ. We have so much. We are so satisfied. As I look around today, I see uh, a number of all types of satisfied people. They're satisfied. Now, sometimes you say, well, the, the food in the cafeteria isn't that good. Well, you know, you have to think about it. At least you're satisfied. At least you have food. And you, and, you, and you live in a, good, uh, in a good part of the world. God has blessed you. You have so much going for you. You have wealth and silver and everything else that you might want. It's yours. You have it because of Christ. One of the advantages of being raised in a non-Christian home the way I was is that I can compare a non-Christian home with a Christian home. I, I can tell you what it means to be raised in a non-Christian home and what sin does to an environment. In a, in a non-Christian environment, I, I, can I can tell you that. And then being now, become a Christian, married a Christian woman, and having my children raised in a Christian home, and knowing a number of Christian people, and having all my family become Christians, we have a dramatic 
a dramatic contrast. And we can say like these lepers, man, things that life is good. Life is good. We have all we want to eat. We have uh, clothing. We have, we have joy in our lives. Man, we have it made. And you and I that are in the gospel of Jesus Christ, friends, we have it made. We have it made. And to think that our life is lined with silver and gold and our, the future for you looks, looks great. As you think about your future and your life, everything looks, look rosy and peachy. You, you are, you have excitement, anticipation in life. You're looking forward to something great in your life and deep down it's not because you're intelligent and it's not because you have a great background. It is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's foundational. And if you lose sight of that, and you're losing sight of one of the greatest blessings God has given to you. Friends, this is the day of good news. Every day that you live, you can say, this is the day of good news. Now, we have a problem, though. A problem that affects me, affects me as a preacher, affects you as a Christian. It's the same problem these lepers had. They were keeping silent. They're keeping silent. All night long, they all night long they worked, eating and drinking and hiding, and 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 looting, and digging holes and making maps and and putting all their treasure away. All all night long, they were just having a great time, a great time. And all of a sudden, they realized that they were they were they, they weren't doing the right thing. They weren't doing the right thing. They should have gone back to the city and told the rest of the gang they were starving and eating their children. Mothers that were boiling their children in water and then feeding on them. They should have gone back and told these people about the good news. That there was food and clothing and riches and happiness and peace. They should have gone back, but they didn't. Now, friends, this morning, I'd like to just challenge you with that. Are we keeping silent about the good news? Are, are, we, are we keeping silent about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you realize that there's a city out there? One of the great things about this campus is that right, we're right up here almost like in a monastery, aren't we? I mean, you'll leave the, the smog and the, and the ghetto and the hassles and the jam, traffic jams. And I had a plan all morning just to get here. But don't forget that down there, there's a city of people surrounded by sin and the devil. People that are dying every day and going to hell. People that are living in a literal hell. People that are wrestling with problems. People that are devouring each other through murder and rape and robbery and abuse and divorce and everything else that you can think about. And you and I sit up here basking in the great gospel of Jesus Christ, singing songs to the, to the glory of God, laughing and playing with each other and studying the deep things of God. Don't forget that there's a city down there that needs you. 
There's a city down there that needs to hear the same things that we've heard. There's a city of people down there that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's not, let's not keep silent about it. Let's not do what these lepers did. They were just quiet. And they didn't bother to go back and tell the people in the city until their conscience was pricked. And I always pray that God would, by means of his Holy Spirit, continually prick our conscience about the need for folks to be saved. And I'm praying this morning that God will prick our consciences. Friends, let's not be silent about the gospel. There are a number of ways that you and I can be silent about the gospel. A number of ways that you and I can keep our mouth shut and not tell anybody about Jesus Christ. We can, uh, we can develop a, uh, a hoarding mentality when it comes to Christ. We can develop this mentality of just trying to keep the gospel for ourselves and not to share with anybody else. Trying to, trying to hide it. All that God has given us, he's given us intelligence and wealth and prosperity and happiness and joy. We can make the mistake of trying just to keep it to ourselves and find little holes and bury it and save it and not to share with other people. That can happen to us. I'm talking, friends, about investing what God has given you. I'm talking about investing your time, investing your, your talents, investing the wealth that God has given you. Those that are steeped in sin, those that are steeped in sin, those that are in darkness, those, those without Christ spend all their living time, living time just, just scrounging through life trying to make it. And you and I have so much. People in the ghetto who haven't even seen the snow. There are people in the barrio who don't know what it means to get out of there and go to, 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 to Big Bear Lake, would you believe? They've never been out of the city. They don't know what it means to go out and see the things that we see. They're stuck in these barrios, they're stuck in the ghetto, and they don't go out. And they won't come to the master's college. But the master's college can go down to them. Amen? If we're willing to not hide our stuff in a hole, but to take it out and go down and invest, it means taking some time and Spending your money, it means sacrifice on your part to go out. Let's not hoard our things. Let's get into the habit of sharing the gospel. You know, God has made us rich so that we can preach the gospel. God has made us free so we can move around and share the gospel. God has given us the liberty to learn and to study so that we can go down and share with those who don't have the freedom and the liberty to share to know what the gospel is all about. Let's not have a hoarding mentality. We can also develop a, a hiding mentality. We can hide. Christians, we can hide. We can try to put uh, spiritual visors on our, on our faces and to tell ourselves the world does not exist. The world of unbelievers does not exist. The city down there, it doesn't exist. Have you noticed how you can drive down freeways and they have these walls they build up now? You can drive down through the certain great cities and they have walls built up so you don't even know who's behind those walls. 
You can go from downtown L.A. and cross some of the worst sections of town and not even know they exist because of these walls. But I'm asking you today that, that, we, that, that we open our eyes. Let's not hide. Something's happening to our Christian, our Christian thought, friends. And I want to challenge you this morning along that line. Something's happening to our Christian, our Christian community, not only churches, institutions, is that we want to hide from the call. We want to hide from the real need. Jesus said for us, when He prayed for us, the disciples and us, He says, I, He says, Father, I ask Thee not to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. It was never God's intention that you and I leave the city. It was never God's intention that you and I run away from the need. And we have a, a mentality that we're running away from the need. He said, I, as you have sent me into the world, so I am sending them. You know, God saved us so you and I can go back into the world. God saved you so that you can get in your automobile and, and get back down into the city and tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, he would have just raptured us into the presence of God. But he saved us for the purpose of you and I going down there and telling the world, let's not hide. Let's not hide. Friends, we have all kind of flight taking place. We have white flight, black slack, brown frown, and yellow mellow. Everyone's leaving. Everyone's trying to get away from the problems, get away from the ghetto, get away from the need, get away from the city. That's not what God intended us to do, to get away from the city. No, the unbeliever, the carnal, he that is not concerned for souls, that's his problem. But you and I here that are concerned about the things of God, we cannot hide. We need to make our way back into the city. I mean, I'm, I'm Hispanic. And I know Hispanic Christians that are just dying to get out of the barrio. They want to go hide themselves in white suburbia and forget that there are close to three to four million Hispanics in, in the L.A. Basin. Million of them. Less of which 6%, only 6% are born-again evangelicals. 94% of them are unsaved, damned, and going to hell. And I challenge every Hispanic, I say, you know, you have no business getting out there and hiding. You need to go back where they need you. We have some black brothers here this morning. And your temptation is to run away from the ghetto. To run away from where they need you and go hide yourself in some little Christian commune someplace in some mountaintop experience. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you now that we cannot keep silent. God has called you, preparing you for us to go back down and to do something for God. We can't abandon these people. The people are perishing. They're dying. They're going to hell. And unless you and I do something about that, See, I know what it means because I, I went to a Christian college and I hid myself in the multitude. 
And before long, uh, I forgot that my name was Montoya. It was Montoya. And I forgot that my skin was brown and that I was Hispanic. Until God had to literally drag me back down and say, Friend, I need you in East L.A. That's where I want you. And you better get down there or I'm going to take you there, one or the other. There are needy people, friend. And let's, let's quit this running away from the crowd. Well, I want to be a, I want to be a Christian school teacher because the public schools are going to the devil. Friend, that's where God needs you in the public schools. Don't you know that? He needs you in the public schools. What about all these thousands and thousands of kids that are there? They're being devoured by lions, being consumed by Marxist theology. By humanism and atheism. You can't abandon them. You gotta get back down. You can't hide. Don't run, friend. Coward, run. It is the courageous that turn around and face the enemy and charge. Amen or not? And I trust that you develop that kind of courage in your soul. Let's not hide, friends. Let's get back down. And do a job for God. Let's tell that city down there. Tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's not hide. Our Lord said, when he got up in the synagogue to read, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. If you're here this morning and God has called you to preach, that ought to be your first verse you memorize. And make that the verse of your life. When you sign your name in people's Bibles, you put your name and then you put that text out of Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Yeah, some of you wishy-washies, you're looking forward to the ministry in some nice, fancy, expensive church where you minister to the elite, to the, to the upper class, to suburbia. Ain't that the pits? That's not what Jesus did. Go to Jerusalem and minister to the Pharisees. That's not what he did. He went down to where the, to where the people were dying. You needed to be saved. And that's what you need to do as well. Now all of us have it. I have it in me too. Inside I'm a coward. Inside I want to run. Don't run. Don't hide. Go back and tell the city they need to be saved. It's not right to keep our mouths shut. It's not right for us to be silent when people need to be saved. Wouldn't you agree with that? It's not right for us to have so much. God has given us so much. It isn't right for us to sit around and play theological games while the city perishes and people are dying. Let's not do that. Let's not keep silent by having some, something of a holier-than-thou mentality. We can have a holier-than-thou mentality. You ever get that mentality? Like you look down at people? Little wino down the street. You look down at him. Huh? That uh, poor white trash. Hmm? Grapes of wrath stuff. The poor little ghetto boy. Poor little gang member. Poor little... Wife on welfare, three or four kids. 
You ever have this attitude like you, you're better than they are? So you're not going to bother with them? See, look and keep silent. We can say, what's their fault? They should have come with us. I mean, we came, we risked our lives. We're out here, we found the camp of the Arameans. We risked our lives. We got all this loot and all this wealth, all this food. It's their fault. They should have came with us. Let them suffer. Let them die. Do you ever, get, do you ever think that way? You know, Jesus didn't think that way. And neither should we, because friends, if it wasn't before the grace of God, we would be down there too. You ever think about that? If it wasn't put for the grace of God, you would be right down in the thick of it as well. Let's not have a holier-than-thou mentality. And by God's grace, don't have a racist spirit. Don't, don't be racist. Let me tell you a secret, friend. Every one of us in this room is racist. That's the truth. Part of sin, every one of we all have it. Greatest blight upon our Christian community, the worldwide, is when Christian churches become racist and they forget the people next door. So an exciting thing happening in our in our, in our city here, friend, is that God is bringing us people to, to, to Southern California. Ever notice that boatloads of them are coming in from all sides. We have Indonesians, we have Vietnamese, we have Koreans, we have, we have uh, Chinese people, we have Hispanics of all kinds coming in. I mean, we are having, we are, God is bringing us the mission field. There was a time you had to go, you had to go become a missionary and go overseas. Now God is overseeing them over here. Don't look at the world through colored lenses. Don't be a racist person. Please, by God's grace, don't look down at somebody from another color. I found out a long time ago that God has no color. And all of us have the same parent. We all came from the same stock. Your dad and my did the same. Adam and Eve were your parents and my parents too. Sinful as sinful can be. And you're just as sinful as I am. But praise God for the second Adam, Jesus Christ, who made us brand new. And made us a brand new person and made us one. We are all one, friend. We're all one. Don't have us holier than thou. Don't be sitting there looking at me and say, oh, that poor little Mexican preacher. <laughs> don't look at me like that, friend. No. Uh, don't, don't, don't. You clean up your racist heart. You clean it up. Because God will never use you with that attitude. Never will. You maintain that stinking spirit and God will never use you. You'll be Ichabod before you know it. You will. You will be Ichabod without glory, without praise, without nothing in due time. Hey, you go back and tell the city, tell the whole world that Jesus Christ lives in your soul. They'll listen to you. You say, well, I'm a different color. You think they'll listen to me? Sure they'll listen to you. The whole world understands the word love. Everybody understands that language. You ever notice that? Everybody understands that word, love. Let's go and preach the gospel and love them. Tell them, there's food in my house for you. And they'll listen to you and they'll be saved. Don't have this holier-than-thou mentality. Don't, don't keep quiet just because you, wanna, you feel you're superior to some of the people. You're just one poor sinner saved by God's grace. Spread the news around.
Spread it around. And, and don't keep silent by having a hush mentality. Don't, don't, don't develop this, this so-called evangelical attitude of having a hush mentality. It goes like this, friends. Well, I don't need to preach about Jesus. I just need to live about Jesus. As long as I live a good, clean life, I'll lead people to Christ. You know that's not going to work. I can just imagine these four lepers going to the city. Their, their bellies full, hot, smiles on their face, walking, walking by the city. And all the people starving, looking over, looking at these four lepers walking by. And every day these four lepers walk back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Just showing all these people that were dying how healthy they were. And in the meantime, as they spent days and weeks and weeks, people died and went to hell. We have an evangelical lie, friend, that as long as you live for God, people will come to you and ask you what's been happening with your life. That's an evangelical lie. I've been in my neighborhood now for seven years. Seven years. And I haven't had a one, not a one, come to my door and say, you know, Alex, how come you're different? Not a one. And we are different in our community. Because I'm not in my experience, people don't ask you why you're different, why you're weird. They don't ask you that. It is up to us to go tell them. That Jesus loves them and they need to be saved. They're in darkness. They're in sin. They have a scales over their eyes. We have to go expose them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't get this. When was the last time you spoke to somebody about Jesus Christ? I mean, the gospel of Jesus. Think about it now, friend. When was the last time you seriously went out and confronted somebody and shared with them the gospel of Jesus Christ? When was it? I mean, you drove your car down to a park. You said, there's some kids up there. I think I'm going to go down and share Christ with these kids down there. And you parked your car and you got off and went and shared Christ with them. When was the last time you went down and just knocked on somebody's doors? Hi, my name's Alex. I came to talk to you about something very important. If you were to die this moment, well, you'd be sure that you'd go to heaven. When was the last time you went to your family and said, you know, uh, aunt, I need to talk to you. Well, what about Miho? Well, aunt, I need to talk to you. Miho means son. Uh, what, what about son? I need to talk to you about your soul. Well, what about my soul? Uh, aunt, are you sure you're going to heaven? When was the last time you did that? To somebody. I'm not even talking about leading them to Christ. I'm just talking about preaching the gospel. I'm not talking about decisions down the aisle or names or notches in your Bible. I'm not talking about how many souls you, you led to Christ. I'm just talking about how many people have you gone forward and just told them about Jesus. Saying to them, you know, there's food over here. You can live if you want to. I can take you there. I can show you how. When was the last time you did that? You see, what's happening to us is we're just quiet. We don't tell people about Jesus Christ. Isn't that true? Hushing. We can't. We can't just hush up. We've got to go and tell them. They're not coming to us. They're not coming to us. We have to go to them. Let me challenge you along those lines. Let me challenge you. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching, not of living, of preaching to save some. 
Life without lip is cowardness, and lip without life is hypocrisy. We need both, life and the lip, together to talk about Jesus Christ. We're not doing right if we're quiet. We're not doing right if we're quiet. Now, now I know, friends, that in many evangelical circles, it's, it's, not, it's not proper to throw a guilt trip on people. Yeah, I know it's not proper. But you know, it's biblical. It is biblical. If you're a Bible Christian, you'll know that it, God lays upon us some heavy responsibilities. These guys knew it. These guys were, they were Israeli lepers. They were not Aramean lepers. They weren't even Samaritan lepers. They had deep down inside a real fear for God. One guy said, you know, it's not right for us to just be eating and eating and eating. Having all these prayer meetings and these Bible studies and heavy discussions into the Word and singing these songs and praising God. We got to go and tell somebody about Christ because if we don't, punishment will overtake us in the morning. That's what he said. If we don't go out and tell these people in the city, I can assure you that punishment will overtake us in the morning. God is going to see it. And he's going to hold us accountable for that. Now, as some of you here this morning, you have forgotten about the wrath of God. You have. You hear so much about the love and the grace of God that you forget about the other half of the Bible, which is the wrath of God, and when it comes to responsibilities. There was wrath. Well, there was wrath with Adam and Eve. There was wrath with Cain. There was wrath in Noah's flood. There was wrath in Babel. There was wrath with Abraham. There was wrath with Jacob. There was wrath with Moses. Wrath all the way through, friend. This is a Bible college. It is wrath. What I'm telling you this morning, friend, is that if you don't have a passion for souls, a concern for the lost people in the city, as sure as you're sitting here, punishment will overtake you in the morning. You that know better, you and I that know better, if we don't do something about the lost, I can assure you, as sure as you're sitting here, the authority of this word, that punishment will overtake you in the morning. You cannot have a zeal for God and not have a zeal for souls at the same time. You can play church all you want and say you love God. But if you say you love God and you don't have a burden for souls, I say you're a liar. You know that. It was the Lord that said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Christ had a heart throb for the lost. When they said to him, Jesus, stick around this city and give us more Bible study, he says, No, I gotta go on to the next city. I came to save them too. That's what he said. I came to save them too. When you and I become selfish Christians, become selfish Christians, eventually selfishness consumes us and devours us. When we become so inbred, we kill ourselves. You destroy relationships. Churches fall apart when they stop soul winning. That's right. Churches fall apart when they stop soul winning. Marriages fall apart when they start when they stop being concerned for other people. You have a girlfriend in this college, you have a girlfriend in this college, you want to marry her someday? Tell her the best way to preserve that marriage is for you to become a soul winner and have a, have a passion for people. Because you'll be unselfish then. Because the greatest, the greatest destruction of marriage is selfishness. And you cure your soul by having a, per, a burden for souls. And you'll cure your wife's soul as well by making her a soul winner too. 
she'll give herself for other people. And she'll give herself for the guy down the street or the girl down the street, she can give herself to you as well. Selfishness, you see, punishment will overtake us in the morning. Just a matter of time. We run from immorality. We run from the ghetto. We run from the problems in the city. But the only thing that solves these problems is not Reaganomics. It is not the lottery ticket money. The solution to the problems in our city is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that? The solution to the ills of this world is found right here in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, I believe that with all my soul. That the solutions, you know, we talk about the Hispanic problems. The solution to that is found here in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that with all my soul and I've seen with my own eyes people transform. That's where it's at. The other day we had some, some thief break into our, into our church and he broke every door in the church trying to get in to find some money in our church. God was so desperate he broke a hole in a wall and went through the wall. That's how desperate he was. We have two deacons that are members of the LAPD and they, and they were talking about the problem. I said, hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about this guy stealing. They didn't find any money. There's, not, there's no money here. We're a Hispanic church. There's no money in Hispanic churches. There's no money here. Don't worry about them. And don't worry about putting any fences or anything like that. We're here in this corner to preach the gospel to save these kinds of people. That's what we're here to do. Why should we run? Why should we move the church over to Orange County? Or San Fernando Valley? We're down there to save. And the only thing that's going to change this man is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it does happen. It does happen. Now, I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on your friend this morning. If I did, it's too bad. You ought to have a guilt trip. Because it's gospel truth. He that sows to the flesh shall reap the flesh, shall reap destruction. He that sows to the spirit shall reap the spirit, eternal life. Whatever man sows, he'll also reap. Doesn't he say that? May God help us. We are, we are lepers, about 200 lepers that have found Jesus Christ. Maybe 400 lepers have found Jesus Christ. God has blessed us. God has given you an opportunity this next month to go do something about it. You have three options. You have three options. Pick an option and go get them. Make a decision today that you're going to have a burden for people and get folks saved. Some of you black brothers here, you make it your point to get yourself back into the ghetto where they need you down there. Some of you Hispanic brothers, don't get no brown frown. You go back where they need you, down where the brown people are. Some of you yellow people, don't get yellow and leave. You go back and get down and do something about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some of you white folks. You know, God, God can use you in a cross-cultural ministry. You say, I don't like folks talking to me like that. Well, that's too bad. It's just too bad. I just want you to get the best out of your Christian life. Man, we have been fed, have we not? We have everything going for us. Let's take the good news, the gospel. Let's go down to the city and tell a man, there is food for you if you want it. And let the Spirit of God do the rest. May God bless you. And thank you for being such a, such a great audience to preach to. Let's bow in prayer at this time, please. Father, thank you for allowing us to share together.
I know you brought me here for a special reason. There was somebody in the audience, some man, some woman, who had lost the burden for souls. We got so wrapped up in ourselves, we even forgot and we got so carried away enjoying the the riches we found in Christ that we forgot the folks in the city that need us. Help us today to change our ways and to go down and do something for these people, anything, for everything helps. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.